Come with me and you'll be in a world of cinematic adventures. Welcome back to Cinematic Adventures. I am Jackie, and today I am with Vincent from Nerd One. Woohoo! Okay, today, or I should say this month. And the applause happen. Yeah, oh my gosh. You really, I shouldn't let you talk to Sean or Doug. Really shouldn't let that happen. Um, <laughs> I haven't got my hat yet. I'm going to wear that, that where the hat's at. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, so, by the way, in case you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, go back and listen to the first episode of this year where we did our uh, our look forward for the year when basically they just piled on and, and ripped me to shreds. Um, so this month we are... Hey, you invited me on. <laughs> this month we're doing a look back on the 2010s as a decade. And... Vince wants to talk the MCU, among other things. But I mainly heard right. the MCU. I mean, he said a couple other movies, and I'm like, cool. Yep. So the MCU? Because that's that's what I heard. Yep. Anywho. Okay. <laughs> so what do you have a favorite movie that came out in this past decade? Yes and no. I'm a huge Marvel fan, and mm-hmm. probably the probably the favorite movie amongst all of them would be uh, Captain America Civil War just because of everything that it was Uh but the most kind of awe-inspiring movie that I saw was the first Avengers movie back in 2012 ah that is and it's definitely one of my favorites and I mean the reason behind it is it was one of those like you never thought it would happen hmm interesting Mm mm-hmm that is little known fact. That is my probably well known fact because I've said it on the podcast before. But that's my New Year's Eve movie. I actually did it this past like this year to come into New Year's Eve. I watched that movie. I, I use that movie to ring in the new year. I love it. Nice. And I get like so excited every time I see it. Like I've never seen it before. And I'm like so devastated when like the t- when everything turns for the worse and like Loki's about to win. Oh, I'm like especially like when they're all shooting the Hulk. Oh. It's so terrible. And then the tide turns. And then I'm like, yay. It's because the music too really kind of puts that kind of, the music really puts like, puts it down. Like, oh crap, it's all coming apart. Yep. And that, uh, that score, that, when everybody gets together, you know, that iconic shot where like Mm -hmm. everybody lands in the same spot and you do that circle like around. Oh, that's awesome. One, one thing I love about that shot is you see like, you know, Iron Man's armor adjusting, Cat America's kind of tightening his shield, Black Widow was putting another cartridge in, and you see Hawkeye pull an arrow out. It's like, yep. uh, poor Hawkeye. <laughs> and Hulk's just like ready to smash something. He's like, hey. <laughs> He's like I'm, re- I'm re- here to fuck some shit up. Let me, let me go. <laughs> yep. Uh, I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. It's not my favorite movie. People ask me this all the time. What's your favorite movie? I'm like, do you have any idea how many movies I've seen in my lifetime? And you want me to pick one? I like movies way too well for that. But it's definitely one of my favorite. Um, so yeah. is Avengers like your, keep... is that your favorite for uh, for the 2010s? Or are you going to go with Civil War? I'll go Civil War. Just, Civil War? Just because that was like the beginning. So Civil War was, for me, it felt like it was, not just an Avengers movie. I mean, it was technically Captain America Civil War, but movie. I mean, we finally got a good, a good version of not, not like all versions were bad, but the good hero version of Winter Soldier 
his reunion with Cap, the breaking of friendship of you know Iron Man and Captain America, yeah. and just really, I mean that that scene near the end where Cap and Iron Man are fighting, Bucky's down, you know, and Iron Man's shooting, you know, for for basically for his life. So it seems like, and you just get that shot of you know Iron Man blocking with his shield and Iron Man pulsing as much as he can. Because I mean, it was from the Civil War comic book. That image right there. Yeah, that that was and from. And to see uh, that transition cover. from, yeah. yeah, just to see a transition from actual just artwork into a movie, which is like, this is why I pay my you know monthly dues for the AMC Movie Pass. That was an amazing shot, and it was almost a one-to-one rendition of that cover from Civil War. Oh yeah, that was perfect. The only difference mm-hmm. is, I think, in the Civil War cover, Cap is like standing on like a heap of garbage or something, whereas there he's just standing. He's like freestanding. But aside from yeah. that, like that's it's like a perfect one-to-one of that image. Because I actually had that picture as my background for my laptop for the longest time, and yeah, they're actually standing on like rubble of buildings, yeah. and there's other heroes just like laid about who are just knocked out who just can't go on. And Iron Man's armor's damaged. Captain America's suit's ripped. Yeah, he's, you can see there's like scratches that. and chips in his shield. Yeah, his like his he he's got that the like the iconic Captain America suit, but it's like shredded. Like you can see yep. his skin through you know in several parts. So it's he's clearly not holding up. You know, so so it's very like symbolic. Like yes, this is Cap, but it's not holding up to the image of Cap. So yeah. I like that. Okay, so. Here's the question. Were you team cap or team Iron Man? See, that's the hard part is I understand where cap was coming from. Uh Like he wants the heroes to remain independent. I mean, and they weren't even really that independent because when shield was around shield was the overseer of them. Uh So, I mean, in agents of shield, I mean, shield still existed just in different form. So they could have been the overseers of the Avengers still. But the way the world saw it was that the Avengers was his independent you know, kind of thing. And I, I mean, the I things that the brought about world, Civil War. I think the world's issue wasn't that they were independent, was that they were American. Because like, if you look at it from specifically MCU, not comics, but specifically MCU, they had a problem with the fact that the U.S. had all of these heroes. And they were essentially like a rogue faction. So I think that's why it was like the world wanted to be able to dictate, not just the U.S. Yeah. Because like because they would go like they would travel to different continents. They would go wherever they needed to go. And the world was like, yo, you're just coming into our backyard wrecking shit. And I think so. I think it was it was kind of like because like like uh, Ross even said it, like, how would you feel if, you know, if you suddenly there were like 15 ton nukes you just couldn't you you couldn't control and you didn't even know where they were yeah so i feel like it was more like i feel like it was more political than the movie maybe made it to seem because it like they definitely pointed out that it was political but they kind of detracted from that because it was more steve's story but in the comics it was far more political oh yeah like in the, the comics, comics it wasn't the sokovia because... accords it was the uh, registration act and that was yeah. just a, a I remember in the comics, like, because I read like all the tie-ins, all that, and we got to the point where you know it was getting so bad that you know Sue and Reed Richards almost got divorced over it. Yeah. Because she literally left him. It was saying, it was literally you know, a keep civil doing this, war. I'm out. Yeah. Yep. Well, because mm-hmm. he was on the bad guy's side. 
Okay, so wait, first, what te- what side were you on? I on totally played in the my comics? hand right there. <laughs> no, in the, so, in, so in, the, the in, yeah, in the movies. In the movies, I would probably go for Captain America's side. Okay, what were you in the comics? I was still Cap's side. Okay, good. All right, we, because we, we can continue. When, <laughs> yeah, well, j- because like I understand their their stance from it. They don't want to be these paid people. They just want to do a community of service. Yes. But it hurt my heart and the comics and in the movies when Spider-Man, you know, joined with Tony. Mm-hmm. But in the comics, it was very important that he did because he ended up he so in the comics he he started siding with Tony. Okay, so to clarify for people who don't read the comics, in the comics, Peter Parker is not perpetually 16. He was an adult at this point. He was like mid-20s. Maybe he was like 29. 30s. Yeah, he he was in his like late 20s, yeah. late 20s, early 30s. Um and he initially sided with Tony, and it was over the Superhero Registration Act, not the Sokovia Accords. And the Superhero Registration Act was something far more sinister, which is kind of what Cap was alluding to in the movies. Like, hey, this sets a bad precedent because it could essentially become what the what you know the comic version yep. was, which is Superhero Registration Act. So basically what the Superhero Registration Act meant was if you had any kind of powers or abilities, it was essentially like you were forced to join the equivalent to a powered military. Where you would join, you you had to register yourself, you would get trained on how to use your abilities, and then if your state, you were like, so if your state had too many superheroes and there was a state that didn't have enough, they might force you to move so that that state could be covered. And anytime there was something that happened that required superheroes, they would enlist you and you would you would essentially be like drafted. And they had the right to do that. And you had no say in it. You had no say in whether or not you had powers. And now if you enlist, you have no say in where you live and in, you know, whether or not you choose to help fight, you know, amongst other, not even superheroes, because it was literally anybody with powers. So you might not be with anybody with, you know, a superpower. You might be a team of superpowered people that aren't, traditional heroes like there may not be a leader like captain america or tony stark it could just be a bunch of other people just like you who were just trying to get through their day you know their day-to-day lives and it didn't matter whether you were an inhuman a mutant or you got your power some other way like the rest of the avengers didn't matter if you had any kind of power you had to enlist and the problem with that is you have crazy ass people like the um like the enemies of the x-men i can't remember I can't remember the the name of that organization, but you know that the organization that always goes after the uh, mutants. Um, you have people in you know who didn't have powers who resented and even hated powered people and would go after you and make your life hell. Or if you had an enemy, they would go after your loved ones as leverage. And so there are people who had powers through no you know they you you don't choose whether you have powers. It's in in the comics having at least in Marvel. Having powers is the equivalent of a race. It's something you are either born with or you attain, but you don't have any say. You don't try to get powers. They just, by whatever, by either through an accident or genetics, you have them. And so to force people to essentially enlist, it's fairly unconstitutional, right? And so that's what Cap's stance was. He was like, no, you can't force people to do that. 
And um, in the comics, Spider-Man starting out with Tony Stark, like you said, like that was devastating. But it was useful because the, the events that, that went through are exactly the reason why Steve Rogers was like, no, I'm not going to do this. Like what happened, what ends up happening to Spider-Man and makes him end up switching to, to uh, Cap's side is exactly why Cap was saying no in the first place. So to me, it's yeah. like, it's sad, but it also was necessary, you know? Well, and one thing I loved about the comics was that, you know, during every encounter of, you know, I guess it was technically the secret Avengers with, you know, Steve Rogers and the regular Avengers with um, Iron Man mm-hmm. was that you know, during one of the battles, Spider-Man beats Captain America, like just because he has, his, you know, the iron spider armor mm-hmm. and he just outmaneuvers, you know, Cap. But Cap, you know, gives him like a really heartfelt speech of you just can't go with the flow. Sometimes, you know, politicians make the wrong decisions to make pass the wrong laws. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to kind of make a stand and say, uh-uh, you're wrong. I'm right. And you plant yourself like a tree. They actually get the speech in, oh. in the movie as well. I think Sharon Carter gave it. Yeah, she gives but like in an the comics, Cap gave it to Spider Man. And that's Cap, when Spider Man's yeah. like, oh crap. Okay, so I'm going to read that. And that's that when like, Spider Man started doubting, like, okay. That, that speech that he gives is the backing of my Twitter. And it has been since like 2015, 2016. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give the whole thing, but like the main part. This nation was founded on one principle above all else the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. I love that speech. It mm-hmm. has literally been it's, the backdrop to my Twitter since like 2016. I mean, that was probably one of the most powerful speeches I've ever seen in comics. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and there's probably people like saying, oh, I know better. It's like, nah, no, you don't. I, I can't think but, of a I better mean, speech because that's like... It's all encompassing. It's like, it's, that is not only is it powerful, like on its own, but it also encompasses exactly what cap stands for and exactly mm-hmm. why he took the position that he did and why he would not be moved. And why, cause like, even in the movie, you know, to take it back to the MCU, when Tony was like, you know, why, why don't you just, why don't you just come along with me? Why don't you just like, you know, that we're fighting for no reason to stop the fighting, just fall in line. And it's interesting that like, I like the dichotomy between the two, because if you'd gone back to their, to phase one, Steve was the soldier. He, all he wanted to do was fall in line and follow orders. And Tony was the one who was like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm not like, I'm not giving the government my tech. I'm not doing what you say. I don't give a shit. It's my tech. I don't care if I have a government contract, I'm doing my own thing. And now here he is being the one that's like, no, fall in line. But it also points out points to the fact that Tony is a massive raging hypocrite. And it, you even see it in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because despite him saying, hey, we need to fall in line, he's not falling in line. He does several things against the Accords. He doesn't ask permission to go after them. He tell he essentially every step of the way says, I'm going to do this. And then like in the movie with um in the comics, you find out that the whole thing was mastermind by he and uh, Reed Richards. But in the movie, yep. he's just like, you have to fall in line. Meanwhile, I'm going to keep chasing you. And he, whenever Ross was like, I need you to come in. He's like, no, I'm going to go get him. And he does whatever he wants. <laughs> so which is exactly what Cap is fighting for. So he's a raging hypocrite. 
you know? So yeah, the, the MCU was like my kind of go-to like for the 2010s because they had a movie out every year. I mean, Civil War was like, for me, it was like the easiest and most rewatchable of all the movies. Was Civil but War? But of course, I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. but really all of them, all the movies I enjoy. I mean, probably the lowest point might have been Thor 2, Dark World. You know what? But, About Thor the Dark World, as long as Loki's in it, I'm good. You take Loki out, I don't give a shit. I genuinely don't like I don't care about Jane Foster or Thor, to be honest with you. Like, it's just Loki. He carries that movie. And when he's not in it, let's move along. I loved well, for a while. Loki's quote unquote death scene. It was just and the movie itself, like I said, the low point it, for me is that movie, but still not even really a low point. The weakest part of the movie was the main villain. And I mean, Malekith. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Christopher Eccleston. You know, I, he was the ninth doctor. He does phenomenal things, but I think it was just it was just a bad role for him. And he's during an interview, he said he just felt comfortable, the, uncomfortable the entire time. His character was constantly getting rewrites. So yeah, he said, I feel like I feel like that's that's evident that it was being rewritten constantly because I yeah. don't know, just like seeing like he his tone kind of changed throughout the movie, you know. And I feel like Curse was the only real dark elf that did anything. And Malekith was just kind of there. But Malekith in the comics is a force yeah. to be reckoned with. He's worse than Loki. But in this movie, he was just yep. kind of there. Like, they didn't really utilize him very well. But I think that was writing more than anything. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, the acumen is there. But, yeah, he was just kind of a, a background piece. Like, he's the main villain. But he's that kind of main villain where, I mean, he kind of sits on his throne and orders everyone to do everything. Instead of being like the guy who gets his hands dirty. Yeah. See, perfect example. He should have been the one to kill Frigga. Instead, yeah. he had Curse do it. Like, Malekith is a badass. And uh, like, to me, Malekith is like, he's on par with Loki, but far more sinister. Loki is more of a jokester and like a out for himself. Like, he's he's more of a narcissist and a jokester. Whereas Malekith is like genuinely malevolent. So like, Malekith is like actual villain. Whereas Loki's just like, I'm neither a villain nor here. I'm just kind of out for myself. And yeah. to fuck with people because it's fun, you know? So like, he doesn't necessarily have malicious, like, at least for Loki. Like, And I'm talking about both comic and movie because he's fairly consistent. Like the character Loki is pretty much, he's pretty consistent in both. Yeah. He's not, he's not bad for the sake of being bad. He has an aim for every, there's a reason behind everything he does. It's either for selfish reasons, like he wants to it's get benefit power. Him. That's why yeah, he's, he's in it for himself. Exactly. He's either like he always has a motivation for something. He's either trying to gain power or he could just be doing something to fuck with Thor because, you know, why not? But usually even when he's doing things just to fuck with Thor, there's still something behind it for him. There's still like he almost you can always like it's like, you know, the saying, follow the money. You follow the reasoning with Loki. It always comes back to Loki. So that's why the one time I didn't really like Loki was in Thor Ragnarok. That's the one thing I didn't like about Thor Ragnarok was that I feel like they totally muted Loki in order to make Thor seem better. Well, they made him more brotherly in Ragnarok. Instead of being like this antagonist and this just jokes where he was like, all right, well, we're family and let's start acting like it. Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, like his personality in general. Like, for example, he was more weak minded in Thor Ragnarok than he ever than we've ever seen him before. But I will say that they did get, they got a little, they did better on the whole, like, at the end of the day, Loki is Loki. 
Yeah. With the whole like, you know, like at the end when he when he shows up and he's like, your savior is right. Like, that's Loki, you know, <laughs> like he, because he will. He's not he's really not in my opinion. He's neither good nor bad. He's out for Loki. So yeah. if you're going to if you're threatening to end the world and he's living on the world, he's going to you're his enemy because he doesn't want you to end the world. But if you're threatening to end Chicago and he doesn't live in Chicago, he doesn't give a shit. Like that's that's Loki, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like Loki is out for Loki, and and anytime he does anything, he's either going to expect adulation or he's doing it for selfish reasons. And I feel like that aspect of Loki they nailed in Ragnarok. But for example, like anytime he was interacting with Thor, they made him a bit more weaselly. When in the comics, I feel like he's less weaselly, which is ironic because. In Norse mythology, he's more weaselly. So I guess I'm I'm kind of all over the place with this because because <laughs> like I yeah. you know this reading this reading the you know Loki in the MCU or not in the MCU but like in Marvel comics made me want to look into Norse mythology. And in Norse mythology, he's not really bad or good. He's just very he's like that annoying prankster that doesn't know when to stop, and he just fucks with the gods constantly. And every now and then he goes too far, and they get pissed off. And then they like when he does something to Thor, when Thor gets pissed and threatens to like beat the shit out of him, then he's like, OK, OK, OK. And he like he's he's far more weaselly. He's like, no, 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 don't kill me. Don't kill me. Which is kind of how he was in Thor Ragnarok. Whereas because um, like, you know, in the very beginning when Thor holds his hair and he won't let him go and he calls Mjolnir to him. Yeah, that's like that's more Norse mythology, more Norse mythology accurate. But that's not Loki in the comics. Loki in the comics is like, I'll figure out a way to get the fuck out of this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? And True. he's like, I can't remember him begging for his life in the comics. He just, he always, he's more cunning, I think, in the comics. Whereas in Norse mythology, like, he starts out cunning, but then when he gets into trouble, then he, like, kind of pleads for his life. Whereas in the comics, he starts out cunning and he ends up coming. And he's just like he's he's like playing chess where like he can see the checkmate. And even though it may look like he's in check, he's like, this is all part of checkmate. Whereas in actual Norse mythology and in Thor Ragnarok, he's like, okay, I'm going to die now. So that was a long way of saying, like, I guess they technically made him more Norse accurate and less Marvel comics accurate. And I prefer the Marvel comics one just because he's a bit stronger. So, yeah. Oh, so going back to... um, Captain America Civil War. I love Captain America Civil War, but like when you said it's the one that you can, it's the most rewatchable to you. For me, despite the fact that I absolutely love the Avengers, the most rewatchable is Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is really good, but uh, for me, like I've always liked the Avengers movies mm-hmm. because I, I just love the whole, you know, you have the best of the best in one movie. And with this one, it was yes, mostly a Captain America movie, but you still got it. You know the taste of Iron Man, War Machine. You got the first MCU appearance of Spider Man, and you get still Black Widow, and you introduce the Black Panther too. So it's kind of like you get a Captain America movie, but you're getting to kind of piece everything else together, which kind of sets up you know Infinity War and Endgame. Quick question: Do you think yeah. it would have been more compelling if Quicksilver had lived and was in Civil War? I, I wanted him. To, to come back i know there was a scene written where 
Fury did to Quicksilver, what he did to um oh crap, I forget his name. Oh, Agent Coulson. He yeah, kind of basically the you know the whole Hawaii dream thing. Tahiti. Um, he oh, didn't yeah, need to do yep. that though because Scarlet Witch could have just brought him back. She has reality warping powers. Maybe she will on the TV show. Hopefully. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I know. I know. Aaron Taylor Johnson said he has no interest in coming back, but hey, let's get a new face on that. Huh? He has no interest. Or in or back. or weird. or bring in you know the Quicksilver Evan Peters from the X Men universe. Let's bring some mutants in this. That would break my brain if that became the Quicksilver. I liked Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver. Oh, he was. I mean, both are really good, but I liked the X Men version better. Uh, the costume. Okay, so I liked I liked the look of MCU Quicksilver. I liked the depiction of X Men Quicksilver. So, like the way they showed how his powers worked, mm-hmm. I liked it better in the X Men. But to me, he didn't look like Pietro, whereas I feel like Aaron Taylor Johnson looked like Pietro. He looked exactly like Quicksilver. Yeah, he does. And they, they did get a more comic accurate suit. Yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I like I like both. But if I'm going to kind of like, you know, throw down between both of them, I'll, I'm going to go, you know, Days of Futures Past, not X-Men Phoenix, not that, you know, the, the sequels. I want Days of Futures Past, you know, Quicksilver. Even though he's only there for like maybe 15 minutes, he was probably the best part of that movie. Do you think they're going to retcon it so that Wanda's father, quick, not Quicksilver, is um, Magneto? Magneto? I'm wondering with, I mean, I know that the WandaVision show leads in Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we're going to have like realities collide and that being one of the results of, by the way, your actual biological father is Magneto. And they'll be like, really? How? And they'll kind of show, you know, how it's going on. And it'll all of a sudden just kind of like, okay, that's now reality. Be I mean, because awesome. Disney has control over all, almost all Marvel now. I mean, they don't have the Spider-Man franchise fully yet. Give them time. Um, but they, they do and they don't. They have control of like 98%. The only thing they can't do is a standalone Hulk movie. They're essentially the ones doing the Spider-Man movies. They just don't have the rights to it. Yeah. But they could do a Spider-Man Disney Plus series because that's technically a TV show. They need to. I mean, the movies are fun and all that, but I think Spider-Man as a character could benefit from a TV show. Do the eight or nine episodes like they're doing for all the other ones, hour each or something like that, like they usually do. Yep. I think they could actually do so much more. With it. And they wouldn't have to pay Sony a damn thing because they have the TV rights. True. Sony only has the rights to the movies. They don't have the rights to merch or TV or any of that. They literally just have rights to the big screen. So if they were now to here's do... a question for you. What? So say they go down down that path. They uh-huh. do the spine of the TV series. Uh-huh. Does Marvel have the ability to use the same actors? They can do whatever the they want. It, yeah. Well, in the first place, it was Marvel that cast that cast uh, Tom Holland. Because remember, like even though, like with the deal that Sony struck, Sony paid for it, but it was Kevin Feige and his, and the Marvel team that actually did the work, and that's why they were able to get at least a little bit of money back. So they get like I think five percent of opening day sales, and the reason for that is because they literally do all the work, and then Sony gets all the rest of the money. So I remember when that. Sony leak happened, or was it? 
Sony leak or so- something happened yeah. where there was a Sony leak. You know, oh, it was when um it was when Sony and Marvel you know were having a kind of falling out, mm-hmm. and they're saying you know Spider Man Three was going to happen with Marvel was going to happen Sony only. I remember I read a report that one of the negotiation negotiation parts was that Disney and Marvel were going to give Sony like one point five billion dollars for the rights to just Spider Man. Yep. Not Venom, not any of the most any of some of the villains, just Spider-Man. And Sony said, hell no. Cause I mean they're they know that'll make more money than that in one movie. And apparently that was like an insult to them. And that's kind of probably what happened, what helped kind of you know have that little you know, tuffle. You know who you know you know how that um how Spider-Man 3 ended up actually coming to be? Tom Holland. Didn't Tom Holland get drunk and call? Yep. Um, what was it? <laughs> it was, oh, it was Tom Holland. He, Heiser or something like that. Yeah, they. Um, he got. He heard the news that a deal that the deal was done. Like they, they had, both parties had walked away, and he got drunk. He got drunk and called everybody. It was like, don't do it, don't do it. And they were like, all right, fine. They came back to the table, <laughs> and they eventually made a deal. It was essentially Tom reading, Holland that saved Spider Man. It was weird. Natural go that far, but from what I heard. Of course, they got the, uh, you know, Spider-Man 3. He has a part in another Marvel movie, which I'm assuming will be probably another Avengers movie. Yeah. But from what I'm reading, apparently Marvel and Sony are nego- negotiating again for possibly three more movies. Yes. But they um, haven't specified if it's going to be, you know, Spider-Man related movies or it's going to be just Spider-Man in a movie, like an Avengers or a cameo or something like that. Well, you know, the thing, I think the thing that got Sony to come, like, to finally come back to the table were the rumors that Apple was considering buying them out. Because if that had happened, they lose the they lose all rights to Spider-Man. Yep. If Sony gets bought out or does any kind of merger, they lose all rights. They, they lose any rights they have, not just to Spider-Man, but to the whole franchise. And who do those rights revert back to? Marvel. <laughs> yes. They all revert back to Marvel. And so it's like, okay, we'll just play a long game. We'll just wait you out. And I think that's why Disney originally walked away from the table. Cause they're like, Oh, we're hearing Apple's going to buy you out. All right. We'll just wait till that's done. Then the rights revert to us. Anyway, we don't have to pay anything. <laughs> so that's when Sony was like, okay, wait, hold up. Come back. Let's not get too hasty here. <laughs> so your original offer is now sounding good. Yeah. What was that about uh, a couple billion? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll we'll wait to see, but oh, I oh, Holland is filming the Spider-Man three as we speak. That's supposed to come out. It, it better be Spider Verse. It has to be this year. Like every person, every single person that's ever been in a Spider-Man film ever is in this movie. There's no way it's not Spider Verse. Like it, it's gonna be well, Spider Verse. Okay. And I'm wondering if it's gonna tie into the multiverse of madness. I do think it's interesting that Scarlet Witch's series comes out this month. So like they're starting the year off with like, hey, shit's about to get weird. By the way, welcome to live action Spider-Verse. Like, I feel like that's what they're like leading up to. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm I'm really looking forward to because I know they have, you know, Afro Molina come back as Doc Ock, which mm-hmm. he's probably that was the best movie, Spider-Man 2 with him and Doc, you know, Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. Um Jamie Foxx coming in back as Electro. Uh he was for that movie. You know but, what? I have to admit, didn't see it. Looked stupid. As much as I love superhero movies and Marvel in particular, that movie looked like hot garbage and I didn't watch it. She never got around to okay. it. Okay. So, okay. That that movie, I mean, 
from the first one, they mean Spider-Man. I understand they're trying to go darker because the Dark Knight or Batman Begins had just come out. Uh-huh. So they want to take their property, turn it dark, see if they kind of make the same success. And I liked it. I thought the way they portray Peter Parker and the way Andrew Garfield did, you know, him as Spider-Man, I thought it was on point. But the costume for the first one felt off to me and probably a lot of people because the best part about the second one is the costume. It just feels so comic book accurate. It's almost like, hey, do they have Stan Lee like literally designs around Andrew Garfield? But huh. beyond that, yeah, the movie was eh. I mean, I liked how they still kind of shine more light on Peter Parker being smart because, yeah, in the original trilogy, Sam Raimi didn't focus really much on the intelligence. And in the Far From Home and um, you know, Homecoming, I mean, you get to see a little bit of his intelligence, but that's one thing uh, Mark Webb really did for the Amazing Spider-Man series was that he's like, you know, okay, yes, he has fire powers, but he's also really smart. So, I mean, they kind of show the montage of him, developing, you know, developing his web shooters. And the second one, they show him kind of evolving his web shooters to bat- actually battle Electro. So it's just not like, you know, hey, I'm Spider-Man, I'm going to punch and beat you. It's like, okay, I got to outthink you too somehow. And, you know, for that movie, the for me, Spider-Man 2, the best part of it is probably the last half an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, do you know you know what happens, right? No, I... Every the only thing I ever heard about it was that it wasn't good. Nobody ever told. Well, uh, I take that back. That it wasn't good, and that Gwen Stacy died. That's it. Well, you do you mind if I spoil it for you? No, go ahead. So, okay, the fight with Electro was stupid. I'm going to get that right now. Uh-huh. So, after the fight's over, you know, Spider-Man is coming over limping because he got his ass whooped. He's coming to Gwen like, hey, you know, thanks for your help on this because she's basically the one who helped fry Electro. Uh-huh. But you hear a cackle in the background, and you know you like Green Goblin. And you can't see, his, yeah, you can't see his eyes, uh-huh. but you can see, you can just feel Andrew Garfield's eyes go really wide, and that kind of oh shit look on his face. I mean, the eyes don't move, but you can tell that's his face right now. He literally looks at Gwen and goes, "Run, run, run, run!" Uh, he's like stuttering, like he's af- he's afraid. Hmm. And so Green Goblin comes over, grabs her. And it's basically playing out the same. It was a, I forget which issue it was where Gwen Stacy dies in the comics. And it was, everyone keeps saying it was like two, two twenty. I'm not sure, but you know, it, they have the battle inside the clock tower. Yes, she does die, but that was probably the most raw piece of the movie right there is when she dies. And I kind of read the cutouts that they did and they actually filmed the scene. So where, you know, of course Gwen dies, Peter jumps down, he finds Alexa's body. And the scene they cut out was apparently Harry is, you know, regaining consciousness at the top of the bell tower where, or sorry, clock tower, where Peter knocked him unconscious. And he's cackling because he knows he won. And so what Peter does is, you know, sets down Glenn's body to the ground. He basically takes his mask that's in his hand, puts it like on top of her, like to cover her face. Uh-huh. And just rushes back that t- top of the tower and beats the living shit out of Harry. And apparently they wow. filmed this. And they said, and according to Mark Webb, they said that they wanted to show that it was not Spider-Man beating Green Goblin. It was Peter, it was Peter. beating Harry. Because Harry knew exactly what he was doing when he turned to the Goblin. He knew what he was doing to Gwen. So you want to make sure that Harry was being beat by Peter. And the whole reason why they cut it, and I think it's the stupidest reason in the world, 
is because they're given an R rating. It's like, you want a dark. This is dark. Give me that scene. Hmm. So what happens in the actual movie? In the actual movie, you know, Gwen falls for death. Peter jumps down, finds his wife's body. And, you know, he's just trying to, you know, like he's shaking to the point where he's not understanding that she's dead. I mean, we can, as an audience, we can see it, but he's like still grasping the idea that she's gone. And then it fades to the funeral. That's way more lame than the original. Yeah, because even if it's unfinished, like, it's, I mean, of course, the CJ won't be done, all that, but I want to see that scene. Yeah. And so, you know, with all these rumors coming out of, you know, Tommy McGuire is back on board as Spider Man, you know, Andrew Garfield back on board as Spider Man for the Spider Verse movie. I'm excited to see all of them. Even though Mark Webb's Amazing Spider Man series is the weakest of all the Spider Man movies, I'm still excited to see Andrew Garfield come back. Okay. I'm kind of wondering what it's going to be like if, you know, because like Andrew Garfield, like, yeah, he's in his 30s, but he's not that far removed. But Tobey Maguire is like an old man now compared to what, you know, that was like 20 years ago when he was Spider-Man, you know? So I I want them to go for the older Spider-Man that we see in the Spider-Verse comics. Not the the Ben Parker, you know, one, but like, you know, he's in his 40s, he's in his 50s. Um, he has a daughter, May- Mayday. You know, I, I want that. He's yeah. lost his leg. I haven't seen that one. I just seen it like when he's older and kind of like the one, like the older Peter that we see in uh, Into the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like I've seen that version. There, there's a version where basically it was. I think it was in his late thirties or so. Uh, Peter, well, Spider Man was battling a version of the Green Goblin, and apparently, you know, Green Goblin threw a pumpkin bomb and instead of like you know peter dodging it or sorry dodging it he tried to like grab it but the goblin pre-detonated and blew his leg off or uh his calf oh yeah or shin sorry his shin because you know comics comics reed richards uh built him you know a prosthetic leg that was supposed to be just as good as his usual leg but mm-hmm. he said without actually having the human tissue to land upon to feel he was just off his game he got hurt and then he you know, Mary Jean asked him, can you retire? And he said, yeah, I think I will. Well, that's sad and depressing. Alternate universe or <laughs> future, something like future universe, something like that before okay. brand new day universe. How about that? Okay. All right. So back to movies. Cause we keep getting sidetracked with comics. <laughs> I do this all the time. Eh. <laughs> I didn't say anything with Sean. <laughs> okay. So um, aside from the MCU, what are your favorite films of the 2010s? So besides the MCU, uh, I mean, another comic movie, uh, based, I'm going to call it the, the Logan series oh, okay. just because Hugh Jackman is perfect Wolverine. Mm. Yes. X-Men Origins Wolverine was a, a mess, but then they bring in the Wolverine. You know what? The uh, one thing I think X-Men Origins got correct was, oh, what the hell is her name? I, her name just left me. Just left me. Um, the chick that is the diamond form. Um, Emma Frost. Yes, Emma Frost. Thank you. I think they got her perfect. Where like she, when she's like helping them escape, and she turns into her like diamond form. I like that. Yeah, that's about it. Um, for the whole movie, <laughs> it's like yeah, one I mean, small scene <laughs> that is forgettable in any other way. Yeah, that's the see for, the movie you can for me for that movie near the end where Wolverine's you know helping all those people escape. He comes to the hangar doors. It opens up. It's Wade. It's not Deadpool. It's Wade. 
And he sewed his mouth shut. Well, okay. So for me, that was one of those times of, you know, I, I saw in theaters because I mean, it was for me, it was, it's an X-Men movie. I'm going to see in theaters probably first day. Yeah. So And I. yeah. And so I saw the hangar bay open up. I just said, bullshit. That's not Deadpool. So you may call him the Deadpool. Okay, With fine. His mouth so shut. Yeah, and I hate how he explains like, "Wow, he finally, you know, finally shut you up." It's like, no, like the only redeeming quality of that character of Wade Wilson for that movie was pre when it was actually still Ryan Reynolds who could you know be a dick to everyone, mm-hmm. and then the post credit scene where the only redeeming qualities of that character because the post credit scene it literally shows you know the body reaching out for Deadpool's head. And he like mouth opens up. He's like, okay, yeah, that might not, be a little closer, but still not, not, still not, good. still not good. Yeah. Um. I so I actually contend with something you started with that Hugh Jackman was perfect as Wolverine because Wolverine is short. <laughs> yes, I mean, they they could have done some movie magic to make him because he's like what five foot something in the comics i think and he's like, like seven five, something three five four in the comics yeah in real life Hugh jackman's like nine feet tall or some shit no he's like six four i think but still yeah. he's like six two six four somewhere around there like realistically and that's the exact opposite of wolverine who's only like five three yeah i mean i know they they should have you know done something to kind of show his shortness yeah but i think i think at the time Fox just want to get the movie out because they knew it would do well, and they're like, you know, fuck it. You know, if they complain, they complain. Dude, Fox's casting was ass. Look who they cast for, like, like all of it. But the only thing that I like, there, there are two characters that they got right, in my opinion, Professor X and Magneto, and pretty much everybody else. They were just like, oh, want to be in an X Men movie? Doesn't matter. Like, we're just pick apart. Like, it's. They, none of the characters, the only character aside from that was Ryan Reynolds as Wolverine. Or, I'm sorry, not as Wolverine. Sorry. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I know because I was thinking about Wolverine. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, but they didn't let him be Deadpool. So it wasn't even like that didn't even, even though that was good casting, we didn't know it until after the movie when, you know, they, the air quotes leaked footage of Ryan Reynolds actually being Deadpool came out. And then we were like, yeah, that's fucking Deadpool. You know, when I saw that, I was like, please be real, please be real. Yes. And when everyone's like, you know, this is legit, is you know, pre production stuff, like, I don't care, it's pre production, this is perfect. If this doesn't get made, I want to go free, go fund me happen for this. I, I will sponsor this movie. It was that's exactly what their intent was. They released it, but like unofficially, so they just kind of let it be air quotes leaked. Um, to in order to get the fans to be like, give us that, and through the demand of all the fans saying this has to be real, like you have to come out with this movie, they were able to go to the studio and be like, we told you, and the studio was like, all right, fine, make it, and they gave them like a ten dollar budget, and we're like, here, just just like fuck off, and then as soon as it was like, as soon as it made money, they were like, oh, well, everything can be rated R now, because that's how studios learn. <laughs> when all they but, really I mean, had to do was listen to like. It's this weird thing where, like, if you want people to give you money, you should ask them what they want to see and then do that thing. It's not that hard. It's really yeah, not that hard. But, I mean, probably the penultimate, you know, the penultimate of that was all was, was Logan because Logan was just such a beautiful swan song. I mean, I know people, you know, say, oh, it's not canon. It's ultra universe. Wolverine can't die. Wolverine can't die. Wolverine can die. 
Who thinks? Okay, anybody who thinks that Wolverine can't die never actually read the comics. He can drown. Yeah. He yep. like he he has regenerative properties, but that just means like. So like if somebody were to cut his head off, he he might be a might actually like Deadpool is the one who really can't die because Thanos was like, yeah, you're not getting anywhere close to death. Like the woman <laughs> death. Love <laughs> like, that version of the comic. I love that interaction. Yeah. Um. So technically Deadpool is the one who like literally cannot die. You could blow him up and any of the piece, like the biggest piece is going to regenerate and it's still going to end up being Deadpool. So it's very much like the end of, you know, X-Men origins, where it's like you, you cut off his head and his body will either grow a new head or his head will try to reattach itself. He's not yeah. going to be dead. Wolverine can die. Um, didn't he, didn't the Hulk rip him in half? He did. And basically he threw, it was in like the Antarctica or something like that. In the ultimate universe, you know, Hulk grabbed Wolverine, ripped him in half, through one half on one side of the continent, through the other half on the other side of the continent. And Wolverine literally dragged himself to go find his legs or his <laughs> little torso and to basically put himself back together, let himself heal. In Ultimate Comics, the only way Wolverine was able to die was if every single molecule was destroyed, leaving nothing to regenerate. And which happened. Yeah. Um, such a dark comic. Well, then he also died again in quotes. With the uh, adamantium encasing, and I say in quotes because he's not dead anymore. <laughs> so that was like so, five months they brought him back, or something like that. It was. Quick. Yeah, it was like it, it was like a good year, maybe, maybe, and then it was like, oh, like Kitty Pride was like, hey, there's nothing there. What do you mean there's nothing there? I mean there's nothing there. There's yeah, no they, body in there. <laughs> they saw his shell broken open and like uh, he gone. Yep. Um. So yeah. Uh. I still don't remember. Like, it's so funny. I can remember that characters come back. Like, I don't remember how Cap came back after his death. I don't remember how Wolverine came back. I just remember that they came back, but I never remember, like, the explanations. Uh, see, Wolverine, basically, they're saying that once he died, um, he still had one cell that had regenerative abilities inside of it. And since his body basically shut down, that cell had enough time to regenerate the whole entire body. That was what they went with, with the adamantium thing? Yep. Wow. Okay, and so how did Steve come back to life after Cap? Because I've read I've read it, and I've looked it up like 19 times, and I still, I for some reason, it won't stay in my head. See, for Captain America, it was kind of weird, because originally he was supposed to stay dead, like, quote, unquote, stay dead. Right. But the way they kind of wrote him back in was that he was shot by a bullet that sent him, like, sent his, like, spirit through time. To eventually where he found a place to like find a body. It confuses me. I remember that because like that was where he ended up having like the adopted son, right? Yeah. Okay, but how did he end up alive back in our time though? Because uh, that was a different dimension, wasn't it? it where think, um like it, it confuses me. The big brain dude was over there. I can't remember what you know I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, wasn't that his dimension that he was in? It was something like that. I'm and he it's came like, back, like he ended up married to his wife, or not his wife, like he married to his daughter or something. It was yeah, it a was, while ago when I read this. <laughs> okay. It was weird. Too. I mean, Civil War for the comics was like 2007, something like that. Yeah, and this happened like maybe a year after, didn't it? Yeah. Like, it wasn't very long, but he wasn't. So it was almost like, because so, he wasn't alive in like Earth 616. This was like in a different dimension. So it was almost like an alternate universe cap. It was our cat, but it was like a different dimension. And then when he came back, like Sharon, was it Sharon Stone? 
not Sharon Stone. Sharon, um, Sharon Carter was like old. <laughs> I don't know why I said Sharon Stone. Sharon Carter was like old and he was like young Cap again. And so that was awkward. Okay, hang on. Look up right now. Okay. So according to Google, their you know Wikipedia page, it says uh sitting crossbones uh located the Red Skull Terminal area so that they could you know be given a living body. When they arrived in Laveria, Armin Zola uh created a machine to regenerate the body of Captain America. That's so That's he got a resurrection, happened. basically. He was resurrected by the people who killed him? That doesn't make any damn sense. Well, because I remember in the comic that Red Skull, I don't know if he was dead or dying, that they transferred the Red Skull's consciousness into Steve Rogers' body. At the same time, Steve Rogers' consciousness had rearrived as well. So they kind of had you know a duel over you know who controlled the body. I remember that part. Because it was kind of like the same thing with, you know, Doc Ock and Spider-Man fighting for Peter Parker's body. Yeah, now that was good. Because Doc Ock wasn't, like, just completely malevolent. He wasn't evil. He was just, like, I don't know. It it gave him, it gave Doc Ock way more depth. And it also kind of pointed out where Peter maybe didn't have as much. I love what Doc Ock did for Peter Parker's life, though. Yeah, that was a good, that's a good story. Okay, we keep doing this. All right, so, it's so my easy third to go down and final a comic rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> my my third and final movie I'm going to go with on this. Okay, and I mean from my read from what I've looked up on like Rotten Tomatoes is not very well liked. I enjoyed it. Um, Ender's Game. Ah, oh, okay. so have you ever seen you ever seen it? you saw it right? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. Um, the thing about Ender's Game for me is the movie is fine, but. That, well, you know, Harrison Ford's a little wooden, but the guy who wrote it was just a dick. Not the movie, but the book, like because it's based on a book. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the guy who wrote the book was just like the worst human being. But the movie, I thought was fine, except, you know, Harrison Ford was a bit wooden. Like, it was a more, paycheck for him, so I think. Than he, I feel like everything is a paycheck for Harrison Ford. Like, he doesn't even like being an actor. He just likes the money he gets from it. Hey, Indiana Jones 5 is coming out in two years. Yeah. Again, like... <laughs> And and when he interviews, he's like, I bought a house. Like, that's what, this is what acting is for him. It's literally just a job that he doesn't even particularly like. Yeah. And in some of his roles, like Ender's Game, it kind of comes out. And one thing I love about the movie was, I mean, yeah, set in the future and the species comes to try to destroy Earth. And it, it very much starts off as like Independence Day, where... Earth is on the brink of losing and one fire pilot decides to take upon himself to, you know, win the whole war. And he does. But then when this race of, I think I forget what they call them, but they were basically giant bugs. Yeah. It, you know, re- come it back. reminded me of starship troopers. Yeah. It was like a good crossover. Well, I would say it's good crossover between starship troopers and maybe independence day. But, you know, for me, like the movie mostly it's good. I mean, there's of course, you know, the little points of every movie, but you know, just having you know kids run a simulation to the best way to win wars and battles, mm-hmm. and then you know when they're in their final test and they're like, okay, like Ender's like giving all the commands, he sacrifices like a third of his army to destroy their homeworld, and like they're all excited, like, oh yeah, we did it, we won, and like you get it, kids, you did it, like yeah, we did, it's like. You just destroyed their home world. Yes, we just like no. You really just destroyed like the really, homeworld. Yeah, that's what's fucked up. Was like it wasn't a test. They were actually doing what you wanted. Yeah, you and actually he's like, literally I, did just destroy their home world. And he's like, I just killed all those people and the, an entire species. Yep, I 
full on genocide. Yep. And they're like, like all the people are like watching the actual, well, I wouldn't say simulation, but the actual battle are like all excited. They're cheering. All the kids are just devastated. Honestly, like, I feel do? like they never should have. I feel like the, the, the whole fault was on the adults. They never should have told him what actually, like that, that he actually did it. Um, for one, okay, if we're being honest, yeah. they never should have actually done it. Let's just start there. But that's the obvious. No. But then after that, you don't tell a 10-year-old kid, hey, you just committed genocide and you thought it was a video game. Yeah, congratulations. You're a murderer. Yeah. yeah, like that's like how fucked up are the adults? No wonder they're using the kids because the adults have zero morals. Oh, no. yeah. That like that that's totally messed up. Like oh, it's it to me. It's a cross between War Games and a Starship Trooper. See, and what made it so awesome was it was actually the the first movie I saw in IMAX because I forget what what happened. What you know, reason why I started because I think I really want to see it. That's like the only tickets available. So I was like, okay, I'll spend the extra like 10, 15 bucks to go see an IMAX. Wait, this was the I, first movie you saw in IMAX? Oh yeah, I, li- I lived in a small town. We didn't oh. have, you know, theaters like that were like big screens. We we had, you know, regular theater screens, but we didn't have IMAX. Huh. So th- so this one was like, you know, I thought IMAX was just like something else. Then I was like, you know, I really want to see the movie. I saw it. I was like, that was amazing. And the theater's bitching too. The first movie I saw on IMAX was Avatar. Ooh. Not the last airbender, but Avatar Avatar. Like what the, last airbender and IMAX would have been awesome. Seriously. <laughs> um, no, the you know, the James Cameron avatar with like Pandora and everything. That was amazing. A lot of people like see, that's the thing. Like when everybody's talking about the difference between you know home theater and going to the theater, there's no comparison. There's none. If you can see something on the big screen that there's no comparing that, you know, you just, it's, it's not the same thing, especially with, with pretty much any James Cameron movie, you know, whether it's abyss terminator Two, uh, um, avatar, pretty much any James Cameron or, um, or a Christopher Nolan film, like they need to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. You can rewatch it again at home, but like a lot of people were like, Oh, I don't know why everybody loved avatar so much. It's kind of a shitty movie because you didn't see it on the big screen. If you saw it on that giant screen where he jumps down and he lands on it and you feel like you just landed on that fucking thing and you're flying through this like beautiful purple blue like alien world. It was awesome. It's the experience. It had nothing to do with the movie itself. It was this feeling of being immersed in that world. And the first time seeing it, like whether it's Ender's Game or Avatar. It's amazing. Like it, it makes you, it, it gives you like an emotional charge to that particular film. So I get now like why Ender's Game was so special because that was like you saw, you felt the battles as it was going on because mm-hmm. you saw it in IMAX. That being said, I'm not a big fan of IMAX, but I still get it. You know, <laughs> oh, I saw Last Jedi in IMAX too, and wow. Um, cool. I saw. I did not see the Last Jedi in IMAX because I knew better. Um, no. <laughs> Did you really? uh, No, I the reason why I did not see The Last Jedi in IMAX is because I don't remember who I went. I don't remember how I saw it the first time. I don't. I just remember seeing it the second time. For some reason, the first time is like blocked from my memory. But I remember going to see it the second (laughs) time. And the second time was like in a little theater. It was like a Tuesday and it was like a four dollar show. I had seen it once before, but when everybody was like, how was it? And I was like, well. And everybody's like, oh, it sucked. 
It was terrible because if you weren't raving about it, it was terrible. And I was like, no, it's just, you know, like at first I couldn't put my finger on it. I was like, I don't really know how I feel. And then I was like, I feel like I need to see it again to really understand whether I like it or not. And after the second time, I was like, yeah, I, I, I like it, you know, like question mark, like, it's really pretty. Like that's, that's the main thing. I was like, it's really pretty. Um, some issues about Luke, but it was really pretty. You know? That was not uh, Luke. That was Jake. That was Jake. Um, but another movie <laughs> I saw in, in IMAX was, which also affected me. Um, so I, I, I admit that when you see something in IMAX, it like, it stays with you. Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. I got to see it for free at IMAX. Okay. Like at the actual IMAX, the one. Nice. Like, yeah. Um, so back then, Screen Junkies was like, it was then their heyday when Andy Signore was still there. I got to meet the cast of the Screen Junkies, and which was just awesome for me. And everybody was really cool. And um, we got to see a movie for free. And I was like, that was when I was fangirling. My friend at the time was just like, this is weird you have met actual celebrities and you were like, yeah, that's cool. You meet people on YouTube and you lose your shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Because I used to work at at the time I was working at the airport and I would see celebrities every day. So it wasn't that big deal. It was like, oh yeah, you're in this movie. You're in this TV show. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 And then I was like, oh my God, it's a guy who talks about movies on YouTube. Like, I didn't care if I met the guy who was in the movies or who made the movies. I'm like, you have a similar opinion to mine. You're cool. (laughs) Basically, I'm a nerd. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of the joy of these podcasts. Like, all your episodes are nerdy themselves, and I run Nerd One. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, basically, it's just a nerd fest up in here. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh, okay. So um, what about Ender's Game puts it above all the other movies that came out in the 2010s? I think it's probably going to go back to, you know, being the first time I saw it on IMAX. Mm-hmm. And just the the ending itself was just so twisted and dark yes. that I really hadn't gotten, you know, something that dark until Infinity War came out. And even Infinity War wasn't as dark as Ender's Game, you know, with dark in the end. Are you kidding me? The, like half of all life disappeared. Yeah, sure. The kid blew up a planet. That's tragic. But literally half of all life disappeared. How but, like, is Infinity War not as not darker than, you know, one genocide? This dude committed half of there's not even a word. There's not a word for when you destroy. You just eliminate half of all life. All of it. Everywhere. Because a child was manipulated into committing genocide. The Avengers lost the battle. Like they, you know, gave their best, they gave their all. And eventually, yes, they lost. Half a life was wiped out. But there were adults manipulating, was it you know, Ender plus three, three or four other kids saying, hey, go do this simulation. It's gonna be fun, it's gonna be awesome. Let's see if you can pull it off. And then they tell them, like, by the way, you just actually killed an entire race of species. So um, yeah, congratulations. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so well. Yeah, that hits home. <laughs> oh man i'm like i'm just gonna let you say the whole thing and then just like end it, <laughs> it, it in in the spider armor too yep oh man yep let's end it here i'm done Bye. okay so how about this how about this i'm gonna uh, no, no 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 i'm gonna make it even worse 
Oh, Steve go. Go just got back together with the Winter Soldier. He just got Bucky back and he's not brainwashed and he disappears. And not only that, but his right hand man, who was right hand man, a hundred grand with him the whole time, his new best friend, also gone. Yeah. And his main ally, Black Panther, gone. Also gone. Captain America's world is wrecked. No wonder why he was like, fuck it. I'm going to stay with Peggy when he went back. Because <laughs> he was like, I'm just going to have to relive this shit all over again. No, nah, I'm going to stay here. We're good. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Like, nobody lost. The only two people who lost. The two people who lost the most were Thor and Steve. Yeah. Oh, and then, of course, you know, Hawkeye Honestly, lost uh, literally my... his entire family, including the little baby. Yeah, that was kind of messed up. Dusted. But, I mean genocide no, expl- no explanation they just gone they're making hot dogs with mayonnaise yeah. which is disgusting now gone that was their reason Thanos is like uh-uh them in particular click and what's fucked up is that he <laughs> lived like it's not like he lost half his family and i like that they did that because half of all the universe doesn't mean half of every situation as you saw all of the original avengers no. are still there but he lost his population as a whole family. It's pop. It's the whole populations. Exactly. And I like how they did that. So it was like, it was random. It could be anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like still, I, I, I enter game just hits me different. Wanda. Not only did she lose her parents and then she lost her brother and half of like pretty much the entire place, the entire like city where she grew up was essentially destroyed, turned to rubble. Then she accidentally blows some people up trying to save. She accidentally blows some people up trying to save a bunch of other people from getting blown up. Then a whole fight is brought up over that. And she has to, she's held hostage by the guy she's kind of starting to fall in love with. Then they get over all of that. She gets like, you have all of civil war. She gets unimprisoned. She gets freed by Steve. She gets to have a relationship with the android that she loves. And then she is forced to destroy him in order to keep the world from, in order to keep everything from being destroyed. And then he is, it is undone. He is brought back to life. Then he's destroyed again in front of her. And then she disappears. See, I think that's how, the one division series is going to lead into the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. Is she's going to slowly lose her grip on her new reality, like as episodes go mm-hmm. on. Yeah, House and, of M style. Uh, yep. In the final episode, she's going to see what happened in Infinity War, and she's going to basically realize. Well, I think in the back of her mind, she's always known that what she's creating is fake, but mm-hmm. she kind of fooled herself. But then last episode, so I think there's nine episodes on this you know, one division series, but on the last one. You know, she's going to slowly realize, oh, crap, all this is fake. She's going to see, you know, first her destroying, you know, Vision and then Thanos ripping, you know, the stone out, killing Vision. And that's what's, that's so what's going to make think that's going to be like Quicksilver telling Magneto and Magneto killing Quicksilver. And like, so that's going to be her moment of snapping. Yep. Okay. Mm hmm. Gotcha. And again, if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, read some damn comics, people. House of M. Really good. No more yep. mutants. So much um, stuff. Yeah. So 
I love how like I say, okay, what's your non-MCU? And then we still end up right back in the comics. <laughs> it, it's just how this thing goes. It's like Ender's Game. Okay, so Marvel Comics. <laughs> All right, that's a pretty good place to end it. Got anything you want to uh, plug? You know, check out new episodes of Nerd One every you know Monday, Wednesday, Friday on your favorite podcast player. Woo! What about the medias of yeah. social? Uh, come find us on Instagram at Nerd One Podcast. We're still doing Twitter, Nerd One Five. If you want to support the show, I jumped the shark and went to teespring.com forward slash nerd one hyphen stuff. Get yourself a t shirt. Have a nice weekend. See you next month. If you like this episode, do us a favor. If you're listening through Apple, give us a five star rating or any other app, drop us a like, and don't forget to subscribe so that you can hear new episodes when they come out. Thanks. Salute, 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 salute,